how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 411, where I sat down with writer-director, author, Christopher Gladys. In Christopher's book, When Your Mind Screams, the author goes into discussing anxiety from the lens of a creative, demonstrating how anxiety makes us feel fearful and stressed in an effort to help, though it actually does anything but. In addition to discussing Christopher's book, in this interview we also talk about using imagination for good and evil, how to find the low-hanging fruit as a filmmaker, why you don't need permission to be creative, advice from Stephen Pressfield, and we talk some action steps on how creatives can deal with anxiety. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also go get my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, right now for free. Just head over to brockswinson.com. That's the free digital download and audiobook. You know, I, I was always, um, when I was younger, I was always fascinated by movies and storytelling. And I wasn't, too, I wasn't really um, an expressive kid. Um, I kind of bottled up my emotions a lot. And that was partially because of my upbringing. I didn't feel safe um, doing that. And I felt like when I went to a movie or um, I don't know, if, I'm trying to remember the name of the book, but there used to be these books that you could kind of choose your path. Like it was like, you'd read up to a certain point. Choose your own adventure as like a style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying trying to remember what those were, but I always found this so fascinating and I could just disappear in that world of storytelling. And, and, um, and obviously if I'm in a movie theater, just being immersed in that experience and, um, and also feeling really uh, um, able to uh, like express emotions in the dark theater, you know, like if I, if I feel like I have some emotions welling up or tears, or whatever, I just felt safer in, in the, in that. And also just the, how powerful and impactful stories were on me. And I think that made me want to tell my own stories and impact people that impact people in a similar way. And so uh, that's how the whole kind of storytelling writing thing kind of came about. And a lot of us who grow up thinking maybe we'll be filmmakers one day, we're really, I think a lot of us are obsessed with writer directors that those who do both, it seems like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the industry is changing in regards to writers, directors? Well, I mean, the industry is changing in so many different ways. I mean, I think that um, I was just listening to a podcast the other day and just how, you know, the, what they were talking about, um, I think there were some rules that the Academy was putting in place. They're trying to get, the Academy is basically trying to get more um, of the movies that are nominated into the theaters and for people to see before they, you know, mm -hmm. come on the show. And I think that helps out with their ratings and all that sort of thing. And so that tells you in itself that, you know, that, everything's kind of gone to streamers. I mean, for a while there you had, you know, television was really where the writers could express, like you really could uh, like feature films were more about superhero movies or really small, low budget films. 
You know, look, I think that if I think the writer director world is still kind of the independent world, right? Unless you have you have your Christopher Nolans, you have you know, you do have these guys who are working at an unbelievably high level who are able to write and direct their own thing, you know. Um it's it, it depends, you know, if you really want to have control over your story, and you're really the only one who can tell that story. I think I, I think that there's that's there's still a space for that. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was drawn to that because it's just so damn hard to break in, you know. And I was like, I'm just going to do this myself. And so, I think if you also look at short films, like um, if you write and direct a short film and it gets some acclaim or gets some attention, that's a way for a filmmaker to kind of really get in. Um, sometimes they'll take those shorts and expand them into features. Cause I'm thinking of uh whiplash. Um, why am I? Uh, uh, da- um, Damien. Damien Giselle. Yeah. 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 You know, he, he did that short film and, you know, got some acclaim and then he made it into a feature. And so I still think, it, you know, I still think that, that it's a great um, uh, way to kind of control your own destiny, but getting films into the, into, as I started when I, basically when I, when I started talking about this, getting films into theaters is really still such a, such a high bar. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those films from the writer directors go the streaming route. So that was a circuitous answer, but hopefully. When you're um, with some of your own work, are you trying to go multiple routes? Are you making some shorts to go to festivals? Are you making some things that go online as streamers? How do you think about marketing yourself, building a website, doing some of those things to try a, a few different entry points into the business? Yeah, I think it's a... Um, it's still like, I still feel like I'm learning, you know, because, because the business is changing so much, you have to learn the, 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 the new processes. Right. And so, you know, originally what I did was the low hanging fruit, you know, um, you know, before the film was even made enter contests with screenplays, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, even though that that's kind of like a lottery ticket, um, I would do that. I would, um, you know, I did a couple, um, I have done a couple short films, thinking that if I could get, you know, um, show someone that I can actually write and direct and then get into a festival and get some, get some, um, get some response, get some acclaim. But I think that's, you know, things have changed nowadays. um, You know, you can, you can, there's really no one standing in the way from you and your audience, right. Mm -hmm. With all the platforms that are out nowadays. Um, I've been slow to the uptake on that, but I have friends who are filmmakers like Chris, you got to get, you know, you got to just get out there. There's, you know, there's get rid of the middleman and just get to your audience. Um, whether that's creating really short content and then building that, um, or, you know, a longer length short film. So I think that there's all, there's also, um, short film online, short film contest or, um, Vimeo has short of the week, which is a fantastic platform. If you can get on there, um, and, and, you know, get some, uh, attention that way. So I think that for me now, um, I'm kind of throwing around cause I, I was working on the book for so long and that was really my focus getting back in. I've got a feature that I want to do, but I'm thinking, do I do a proof of concept? You know, do I shoot a short film and, 
or just a scene from the film mm-hmm. um and and not only prove to myself that wow this looks great but also um show someone else that either whether it's an investor or someone else that I'm trying to get involved with the film that I can do this um obviously I have a couple of features that I've done so I can I can show them that but I think that there's there's more outlets now there's less of a barrier between your audience which again I'm I'm getting more and more used to with that um so yeah I think you have to go after the low, low hanging fruit entering contests and stuff like that but you know there's no one you know don't wait for someone you know i mean and i'm speaking to myself when i say this don't wait for someone to give you the take the magic wand and go you can direct a film or you can do this you can do it you know i mean just do it put it out there you'll see if it hits or not and then you just you know load up the barrel and do another one i mean you just keep on you know you have to keep on doing that and eventually you'll find out where the where that weak link is where you can get in um yeah when you um are maybe pursuing a few outlets and thinking of your next idea, if you're writing a spec script or whatever it is, is it something like intangible where you know this is the next one? Or how do you decide if you've got 10 ideas in front of you? How do you pick one? I don't know. I've heard creatives say this before. And I think this 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 probably is something that's a commonality between all of us is that usually that story or that germ of an idea that just you cannot just keeps coming back to you comes back to you in your dreams come back comes back to you uh, there could be something going on in the world with lines up with what you were thinking um i think that's that that's one that you just it's like i gotta tell this story you know there's just you just have to tell the story i mean look i think that if you can throw together a bunch of ideas 10 ideas i mean i don't know where i heard this in a writing writing workshop or something like just bang out like 10 concepts every day or every week or whatever, and just keep coming up with concepts and bouncing them off of people. That's again, you know, trying to find your audience. Um, I have a writer's group that a couple writer's groups that I'm involved with that, you know, I can, I have that outlet to, because I'm putting it out to people who know this world and know Mm -hmm. this business. Um, So as far as like, it's kind of a combo, putting it out, seeing what kind of response I get from other people, but also sometimes there's just something that, you know, 10 people could say, oh, don't do that. And I'm like, I have to write this. And that's that's going to be the one. Um, and usually my stuff ties into what I'm noticing more and more is um, I, I, I'm really drawn to, to the psychological, right? So it's going to be some sort of psychological thriller or horror or drama. Um, and it's going to have a germ. Uh, it's going to be based in something that is really important to me, right? That, that's To me, at this stage where I'm at, it has to be um, really important to me and really personal to me. That's, that's without a doubt, uh, straight off the bat. And then it's a matter of, okay, are other people relating to this? Um, and and out of these five, like I love all these five, maybe I bounce these off and see what people think. So yeah, it's it's it, it's it's tricky also because you could put out a germ of an idea and someone could shoot it down immediately. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that when that could have been the best idea. So it's tricky to get feedback, but also have the things that you are really um, they really scratch your itch and like, you know, you feel like it's important and you're passionate about, you know, so 
it's kind of a combo attack. So everything you just described, I'm kind of picturing you pitching and writing and looking at all these different outlets and, you know, breaking into the business and uh, with more responsibility comes more stress. So you wrote a book about anxiety. Tell me kind of where, when, when did you decide to write a book? It's something you've dealt with, obviously, but when did you like, oh, this should be a way to help other people? Yeah. You know, I, I've been struggling with, uh, on many different levels, I've been struggling with anxiety for many, many years, way better now through therapy and all sorts of different modalities that I've jumped into to kind of um, understanding what's going on in my head, in my body, and then trying to find the best um, tools for me um, and, and mentors and all those that 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 can guide that really help guide me, you know, into a, into a better place in my life. Um, I've oh, you know, I, I've tried to challenge myself to do different things creatively. Right? I've done shorts, I've done features, I've done docs, I've worked on many different sets, movie sets, doing various you know jobs, um, and you know, I was like, I'm a writer. I've struggled with this for a long time. I think I have something to share. I think I can help people. Um, and so it did, well, it didn't really start from there. I think what happened was I was going through a pretty tricky time in my life, um, challenging time. And I started to just journal because um, mm -hmm. I, I try to journal every day. Now I do more of a shorter version of that called the five minute journal. But um, I started journaling and it was some of it was stream of consciousness. Some of it was really focused. And I was like, what is this? Is it a blog? Is it a, you know, is it a, um, can I turn this into a movie idea? I mean, all these different things. And I'm like, why don't I just write a book, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, not knowing that it was probably one of the most challenging creative projects I've ever done. And I think that the, the main reason for that is that it was so personal. And I knew I was going to have to reveal stuff about myself that I was like, I don't know if, you know, outside of my inner circle. I don't know who I want to know all this stuff. But then I'm like, if people don't know this stuff, they need to know this stuff because then they can kind of put the pieces together to see how, how I pull myself out of a out of a hole. So it started from just journaling a blog and then it became, um, uh, I was started to put the chapters together and started to get some help. Um, you know, in the, in the book publishing world, you have editors, developmental editors, you have content um, content editors, you have copywriters, all these different, different people that kind of helped guide me along the way with that. Um, but yeah, they, 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 and I would, I'll say this to all creatives. I mean, you never know what something's going to turn into, you know, you might have an idea, just jot things down, just write it. You know, people carry little journals around because that could have become so many different things and it still has the juice to become other things as well, you know? And so, um, you know, listen to that voice. Did you start to see, I'm kind of, I guess, thinking about your own personal psychology, some, did you start to see common threads? Did you like, if you go back and read a journal from a year ago, you're like, I can't believe I'm still doing that. Or did you kind of start to see some of those things about yourself as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the one thing I'd see a lot of is just as pat, some of those patterns continuing, but not maybe not as loud. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I wrote this book, you know, as a, as a book that I would have wanted when I was younger. Right. And so, um, 
try to be, you know, simple, not clinical. Um, and so when I, you know, I'll, I'll pick up this book now and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do that. Like, so it's, 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 as, it's as much of a, of a, of some of a book to put out there to help people, but it still helps me because I'm still working on this stuff. This isn't, you know, this is a, it, like I said, my anxiety has definitely lessened, but I think this is a lifelong thing that you yeah. work on. I don't think there's any quick fixes. So yeah, I see, um, I do see patterns. I do see, um, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the core stuff from the book came out of those journals. Can we go through, I want to bounce around some of the, you've kind of, you've, you've written it like sort of like an act structure, almost like you'd see a screenplay. Um, so the prologue is you are not alone. Can you talk about just a few ideas from that, the first chapters you want to connect with the reader on? Yeah. I mean, look, I think that that's the reason that's one of the first chapters in the book is that that's exactly what I felt like when I was younger. I mean, I felt so alone. I didn't feel, um, I did not have any support from my um, from my parents. I didn't have support my friends because I didn't tell any of them what was going on. I really didn't, I really didn't, um, until I got to college and I finally was like, something's not right, man. This is not, you're not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be feeling this way all the time. Um, and having panic attacks and this and that. And so I went and saw a psychiatrist and, um, you know, looking back, he was a little irresponsible with, I think, the way he he prescribed medications to me, but he set me on the right path, you know? And so, um, and and as time went on, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people who struggle with this silently and not mm -hmm. just anxiety, depression, OCD, suicidal thoughts. I mean, all these things that people um, suffer alone. And I think that we like when I when he told me what I had when he diagnosed me with panic disorder, and I don't believe in diagnoses like that. I mean, I don't I don't even think I have panic disorder. I think I have more of a generalized anxiety. Um, I was like, oh my god, other people have this, and I'm not alone. And it was just like this weight that came off of me, and I felt ready to kind of move forward and, and tackle this. So I think that's why that's. I want people to know that not only are they not alone, other people are struggling with this and, and the way through it is to kind of admit what's going on and, and to, to be, to express this emotion. And so your next section is on breathing. So for those who are maybe not ready for therapy or, or not finding the right outlets to talk it through, what are, what are some physical things? I imagine breathing is obviously one, but you discuss some of those in your book as well. Yeah. So you were talking about the, the, the way the book was set up and, um, the, the, there's, you know, as far as most people know, writing a screenplay or just storytelling the, the dramatic structure, three act structure is really your basic one. There's other ones, there's four acts, five acts. Um, but the three act structure, since I am a, uh, a creative and a filmmaker, I thought, how could I overlay that onto the way this book is laid out? And the the usually the first part of a movie is the setup, right? And the setup for this book is is breath is all about breath work. It, it's this section is called breathe, and then all the chapters kind of funnel into that. And I think that you know breathing properly will probably 
you know, sets you up for recovery with anxiety very quickly. I think we, I'm making a generalization, but I think most people don't breathe correctly. I think that, I mean, even just in this interview, like I can, I'm breathing a little more shallow, maybe because I'm, you know, I'm doing an interview or whatever it is. And so when you breathe shallow, it creates sensations in your body. The sensations sometimes can be um, uh, scary for some people, especially people who are geared towards anxiety. And it just creates this snowball effect. So breathing to me, and there's many, you know, there's many different ways to calm the system. There's the box breathing, which is like, you know, you breathe in for four, you hold for four, um, you breathe out for four, you hold for four. And it's just like, you just go around in circles. So there's, you know, there's Wim Hof breathing, which I do every morning. It just sets me up for the day and it just gets my whole body oxygenated and energized. So I think that if, if you jump to trying to kind of observe your thoughts and, and some of the stuff I deal with later in the book, it might not be, you might not be in as good of a place because you, you really have to breathe, get present, kind of land before you take the next steps. And that's why it's the first in the first part of the book. There's a great book called, um, called breathe. And um, I forget the author offhand, but he goes into so he goes into it on so many micro levels about what breath can do for you and can also, if you're not doing it correctly, all the problems it can it can create. It's a fascinating book. And I think it just hammers home what I'm trying to say here. And and yeah, br- breathing is so important. And if you can figure out a way what works for you with these different patterns, um, it can really um lay the groundwork for for healing. I think. Did you notice any like immediate changes? I feel like a lot of people who are trying to develop habits around breathing or stretching or yoga or meditation or some of these different things are, for me, what I've experienced is uh, they can be hard to do if you don't notice a change, but it's more like I notice when I don't do it as opposed to I notice when I do Mm -hmm. something. Do you kind of feel that way? How did you, if you ever quit something, how did you finally start to stick with it? Um, you know, I've tried, one thing I've tried to do is, is to, in many areas of my life is not look like not trying to shoot for some sort of outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm going to do this meditation and if I don't feel this way by the end of this meditation, I'm going to stop. You know, <laughs> I think that it works in the background and I just, I, I've tried to develop a trust and a faith that. And not in an obsessive way, because I can go that route too. Um, I also have a little OCD, so I can just, I've got to do this this morning. And if I don't do it, then my whole day is going to fall apart. So I don't want to go to that extreme either. But I think that if I can get in either meditation or or, or breathing, um, breathing, I definitely notice an immediate effect. And And most of the time, like I said, it's that Wim Hof breathing like really aggressively for 30 breaths. And then holding my breath, um, like getting rid of all my breath and then holding it. Um, so that has an immediate effect. It's almost like a, what you would feel like with endorphins when you work out. Um, but I think just in all these things, it's having not not trying to control the outcome, having faith that, that what you're doing is, is having some effect on your body. 
Um, and then, and then as you go along, you can, you can, you know, you can modify things like maybe 30 breaths didn't work for me, but maybe where works for me best is because sometimes people can, can hyperventilate or you can get dizzy. Although Wim Hof says that those are all good, that things are working, things are getting shaken up. Um, so I think to answer your question, I mean, I think it's really just having a faith and a trust that on a deeper level, you know, it's, it's working. And, and if it's, if, if you really don't think it's working then try something else, you know, everyone, everyone's got something different that works for, for them the best. Have you seen any um, different long-term effects of that? I think part of Wim, Wim Hof's thing is also, it's supposed to kind of boost your immune system. Have you noticed any other benefits in addition to like day of type things? Um, you know, I think that I started to do some of the cold plunging and I started off with showers and, um, now I actually get in a, like a little tub and the reason why I think the cold showers, well, I'll, I'll answer your question, but I'm, I'm going to preface it with the, the cold showers to me and the cold plunger. They're great because, and especially if you can get in pretty quickly, it, 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 um, triggers your fight or flight system. Right. And that's exactly what happens with anxiety is that you, you're, you're all of a sudden you get kicked for whatever happens, you get kicked into this fight or flight and then it just snowballs panic, anxiety into panic. Um, and I think that with the cold plunge, what I've started to do, what he recommends, and I don't know if it's, uh, well, two things. One, I noticed my breath hold capacity has gotten longer, right? Like I can hold my breath for longer periods of time. The other thing I notice is if I can do that sort of, not as aggressively, but that slow, deep, really, um, uh, really deep breaths while I'm in that cold plunge, I can stay longer, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely um, uh, uh, a positive effect that it has on me. And I think that initially, um, probably most importantly, initially when I started to do this, when I started to get um, tingly or hyperventilate or had that hyperventilation kind of feeling or like, not like I was going to faint, that brought on some anxiety for me because it's almost like a I'm losing control of my of my body a little bit, and I haven't noticed that in a, in a long time. Um, you know, when I first started doing it, I used to notice that, and now I don't notice it as much. So, um, yeah, those are probably the big ones. Uh, we got just a couple of minutes left before this call. You and I have talked about some marketing ideas and some of that. Um, was there any hesitation to write the book? Like, do you feel at all like you need to be, well, I'm a filmmaker. I need to be labeled as a filmmaker on social media and these different things. But it seems like you pursue what you want to pursue, at least in terms of writing. Um, so how do you kind of wrap your head around that? Or do you just not worry about it? Or are you still kind of just figuring it out, I guess? You know, I think that, um, and I brought this up before, I think any form of writing is going to help any form of writing. You know, like journaling, morning pages, all these things that even morning pages, you know, I haven't done them in a while. I don't know if you know what morning pages are with like Julia Cameron, yeah, yeah. Book artist way. Yeah. And, um, and they're not really meant for anything. They're just supposed to just get all the, the crap out so you can get to the, hmm. the good stuff. Right. Um, and I just believe that if you sit down and write on a regular basis, that's going to help you with screenwriting or any other type of writing you want to do. And so, I think that that you know right now 
I like I still have all these different things I do, but right now the focus is kind of the target is more on the author part of me. Um and and to be totally honest, I'm trying to still figure out how to kind of bring all these things together under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know, one of the reasons why we're talking is because some of what I cover in the book is the anxiety that creatives struggle with, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically imagination. Like we have amazing imaginations, but that imagination can be for good or it can, you know, uh, I could catastrophize some small little thing that's happening in my life because I have such a strong imagination muscle, right? So I, I talk about, um, you know, that's one way to create a book that I wrote, but also for creatives, I talk about my my process a little bit, things that I'm drawn to in the creative world. So there is definitely some overlap. Um, but with that said, um, I, I'm trying to work with some people that might be able to help me kind of make all that kind of um, really gel a little bit better. You know, um, I think the book kind of just crept up on me, you know, and kind of was like, you have to write, you know, it was one of those things we we're talking about, like, I have to write this, you know, whether it's just for me or, you know, for others, I have to write this. Um, but I think that's something that um, probably all creatives struggle with, with like, what, you know, what, what am I doing? What am I, you know, am I, am I, I, I still consider myself more as a writer because I haven't directed, I've directed a, a good amount, but not as much as I've written. Right. And so, and it's something I, I want to do more is directing. Um but yeah, I'm 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 kind of just uh, as I write in the book, in my, one of the concepts I have is letting go, right? Just letting go of not having to know exactly what that all means right now. You know, that's probably the at the forefront. Are there any mentors or people you look up to? I'm trying to think of someone who might combine these. The only person I can really think of is maybe Paul Schrader, who's a famous screenwriter. But the types of things he writes are like. A guy writing in a journal, if you think a taxi driver, first reform, the card counter a year or two ago, it seems like he's found a way to get the psychology on the big screen. Uh, is anyone like that that you look up to? Yeah, you know, it, it probably would be more, um, it would be more of the the individuals who are writing, directing, um, they're really just, you know, stuff that you can tell is really personal to them. It doesn't have to necessarily be, have that deep psychological bent to it, although that's an extra added benefit for me. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, I mean, even going back to Chris Nolan, I mean, how, this guy took like an independent, he's an independent filmmaker, you know, and he's been able to take these deeply, psychological sci-fi things that he loves and plug them into these massive blockbusters. I mean, how cool is that? So, you know, um, and he's very like, this is, you know, he, he's very sure of himself and what's he wants to do, what he wants to do in his directing and writing. Um, so I think all the, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, I mean, there's, there's, there's all these guys who kind of, um, tell very personal stories and um and are very confident in the way they write and direct and so those you know i i look up to them i i look up to i look at them to see how they get their you know how they've actually get stuff done because it's just so hard um you know as far as this book goes i think um uh stephen pressfield who wrote the war of art which is all about um creative resistance or just resistance in general um his book had a lot of crossover into other areas outside of writers 
Um, I originally modeled the book, the structure on the war of art and things kind of changed down the road, but you know, he really, um, was a mentor, whether he, he knew it or not. I mean, I've, I, we have a little bit of back and forth here and there by way of email, but he was really instrumental in getting this, getting me to, um, you know, tell this story, put it, put the words down on paper. Um, so, you know, there's authors, there's writers, direct writer, directors, um, and, you know, also people outside of the creative field in the business world that, um, that I, that I look up to, but, uh, Paul Schrader is a good one now. And he's got a, he's got a new movie coming out. It looks pretty good. Um, so I'm excited about that. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.